Welcome to church. It promises to be great tonight, so it's really exciting to be here to share this with you. Let me tell you one of the reasons why I know, amongst many things, that God is here for you. Um, when the choir, I, I, I didn't share the topic of my sermon with them, and if I did, they had their practices yesterday, and the sermon is around keeping the fire of God burning. And they had two or three songs about the fire of God. I just thought, God is so interested in all of us and he's right here. He has even sent a word ahead of you. So it tells me that God knew you would be here and that God had prepared something for you. What I want you to do is to make sure you don't miss what you are meant to get from today. So it's not necessarily, oh, it's not P, I don't like Pastor Bola's voice or, you know, the yellow is too yellow, the green is too green. It doesn't really matter. Just make sure that you're focused on what God has in store for you because he knew you would be here and he sent a word to you. Uh, Leviticus chapter 6. The title of the sermon is How to Sustain Your Spiritual Spark. How to Sustain Your Spiritual Spark or fire. Leviticus chapter 6. It'll be quicker if it comes up on the screen. I'm going to mention a few scriptures. If you know me a little bit, you know that we need to write a few scriptures down because I'll be teaching you. Leviticus chapter 6 from verses 12 through to 13. Okay. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it and it shall not be put out. If the Bible that you're reading is yours, you can underline that it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And it shall burn on it the fat and the peace offering. The next verse. A fire shall always, if the Bible that you're reading is yours, underline the word always. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. A fire shall always burn on the altar and it shall never go out. The second scripture we're going to read is in Romans chapter 12 verse 11. Romans chapter 12 verse 11. Can I have it up please? It says, not lacking in diligence, being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I would start with a little story. I read the story of, um, well, no, I didn't read the story. I watched a movie a while ago, ages and ages ago, Cast Away. I don't know how many of you remember the movie, Tom Hanks, and, um, about, and I think it's a true life story of um, a FedEx delivery guy that was in a plane, and the plane crashed, and he was the only survivor. And he found himself on this island, and he was just by himself. And he needed to get going. He was in a very depressive situation, and he found himself in this place where he needed not just survival, he needed everything to make life work. But the first thing he celebrated in that place was his ability to set fire. He got two woods together and there was nothing he could use. Anybody remember the movie or am I the only one that knows this movie? Okay, all right. So the way the guy celebrated fire, when fire came, he said, ah, I've set fire, I've got fire, I've got fire. I said, I made fire. In the midst of this challenge, I made fire. And I was just wondering, why was he so excited about fire? Because he had something that was going to provide so much for him than what his situation had given to him. He had something that was going to give him protection. He had something that was going to give him heat. He had something that was going to take care of food. He had something that was going to call attention to somebody that is going by. He had something that would help him survive to the next point. And I just remember God's word when he says that we should make sure that the fire never goes out of our altar. 
When we got born again, when we get saved, which most of us are, and if you're not saved, at the end of this service, please come and meet me and let me share this great joy of this Lord with you. And when we get saved, we have the fire of God put inside of us by the virtue of the new life in Christ that has just come into us. However, different things happen to many of us, and then we, along the way, either lose the fire, or some of us, the fire goes down a little bit, or we forget about what we had from the beginning. And you see some people, you think, I knew this guy 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Meanwhile, you see other people say 50 years, and they are still going strong. So what's the difference between the man that is going strong and the one that is, you know, today they're up and tomorrow they're down. Today you're not sure what choices they make, and tomorrow they make great choices. So the fire keeps coming and going. And I remember that I, uh, I read the story of a particular pastor who said he's not been seeing a particular brother in church. So he went to visit the brother. It was, during, it was during winter. It was very, very cold. So he got to this brother's house and said, I've come to say hello to you. And the guy said, oh, we can't sit in the living room. We have to sit in, in my second room, which is the second room had a fireplace. And the man had his fire going in the fireplace. And as they sat down at the fireplace, the man said, we have to really get the fire going. Otherwise, we're never going to be warm. Along the way, he took one of the... Um, what do you call it? The log? Well, it's not really the log. You know the iron one? The what? The something. The poker. Yeah, that's what. Something like that. He took it out and he put it to the side. And um, he forgot, because he was talking to the pastor, he totally forgot about it. And the pastor said to him, what has happened to that? What do you call it again? In your hand. And he said, oh, I need to quickly put it back because it's going cool. The fire is going out. It's not on fire anymore. And then the pastor said to him, that's exactly what happens to every believer that stays out of fire. Every believer that stays outside of fellowship. Every believer that stays outside of the place where the fire is burning. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the fire. It doesn't matter how, long, how much you have going for you. It doesn't matter how great what you think you have going for you is. The moment you step out, chances are that without even knowing it, you can lose that great thing, that great thing that you had going for you. Um, um, earlier on, to earlier on this week, I think it was last week or thereabout, um, a few of us met my my previous my old pastor uh, turned fifty, so we were at his birthday party. Um, a few of us are his sons. I'm the only girl son, so everybody else. <laughs> I think the story behind that is, so a, a time came. He said he wanted to have sons in the ministry. And he called a few brothers together, inclusive of Pastor Eddie. And he said, I need to take you away. I need to teach you all that I know. I need to bless you. And Pastor said, Pastor, I need a favor. As in Pastor Eddie asked my, past, my previous pastor for a favor. And he said, what's the favor? He said, I need my wife there. He said, I can hear all you have to teach. And I can come back home and teach her, but it will never be the same. Pastor, please. I will sort my children out. My wife must be there. She must hear what you have to teach us. So that's how I became the only son, among, the only girl among the sons. And he went to teach us. And it was intense. Three days we were in a hotel. And I'm forever grateful to Pastor Eddie. Because the truth is, if, Pastor, if any other person there had asked Pastor Shola if their wives could come, he would have said yes. But nobody did. And I think I learned a lot. I got a lot. I, 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 I felt I gained a lot by being there. And I looked at all of us, the sons that were on this table. <laughs> so when I say son, you're thinking you're a girl. That's my story. That's how I got there. And 20 years on, 
in different places, different nations, different stages of life, everyone's still burning for Jesus. And I saw some, you know, people within the room that I knew ages and ages ago, and they were not as hot as they used to be. You know, you could tell from conversation if somebody is still hot. So you just wonder what went wrong. So let me talk to you. I'm going to divide it into four different um, sections today. And the very first one is the significance of this pack. This pack I'm talking about, why is it significant? So the first one is the significance of the of pack. The second one is the signs of low spark or low fire or lukewarmness. What are the signs? How do you know? How do you know that this fire is going out? Because the problem of fire going out is that it goes out really slowly. You don't even know it's going out. You've got to be able to identify if something is going wrong. Then the third one that I'm going to talk about are the things that stop your fire. You, you can be there trying to build yourself, but you are in a place and your fire is actually being quenched and you don't even know it. And then the fourth one will be the things, or the, the things that you help you stir up your fire so that 20 years time, 30 years time, 50 years time, you're still burning hot for Jesus. So the very first one, the significance. What are, why, why is fire very important? Why is fire so important to God? The very first one, there are so many. So I'm just going to mention five in this area. The very first one is for direction. Every time you carry the fire of God inside, you will never lack direction. It's very important. So I want you, I'm building the significance because I want you to crave it. I want you to, to desire to constantly carry the fire of God inside of you, the spark of God inside of you, that it will not just stop after church or in church. It will go on with you and be in everything you do. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. I really need a sharp person on the, on the system because I'm going to mention a few scriptures and I would like to read as many as we can. Exodus 13, 21. Can I have it all, please? And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night as a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and by night. Direction. Daytime, they could move. Nighttime, when everybody else is stalled, they can move. Why? Because they have the fire of God inside them. If you've got the fire of God inside you, because this pack inside you, you've got this presence of God, this massive God thing inside you, you will never lack direction. So I want you to, you know, this whole, I don't know what to do, something is missing somewhere. Every time you find yourself as crossroad and you don't know what direction to take, ask yourself, is it that I really don't know what to do or I'm just using a phrase that I've heard so much and I just, you know, carried it on? Because sometimes you hear something so much, you just say it because you've heard it so much. Direction. The next thing is protection. Every time you carry or you're conscious of the spark of God inside of you, you should be conscious of the fact that that spark gives you protection. Zechariah chapter 2 verse 5. Zechariah chapter 2 verse 5. Protection. The significance of this fire. It says, for I, says the Lord, will be a fire, a wall of fire all around you, and I will be the glory in the midst of her. Anyone that carries the presence of God, the power of God, that carries this fire, this sparkle I'm talking about, they've got God surrounding them. You're protected. Whether you even are conscious of it or not does not matter. And if you remember the story of um, Elijah and Elisha and when people came against them and he said, look, look, open the eyes of this guy that he can see that those that are for us are those more than those that are against us. So when you carry this spark within you, you are protected. So all this fretting about a child going out, when is he coming back in and not coming back in? Uh, when the fire is hot, when this pack is there, you don't fret. The next one, illumination. 
It gives light. Exodus chapter 25, verse 37. Exodus 25, 37. This spark gives light. You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamp so that they give light to the front. Always giving light. That is, there will always be illumination. No darkness, no iota of darkness in anything that has to do with you. I'm sure we're going to do that again when we go to Israel this time around. I think it was Nazareth. They took us to, um, they took us to a particular place where there was uh, oil press. And in the oil press, there's a particular oil that is used to light the menorah or the lamp. The menorah that is in the house of the God of the Lord, these seven candles that the Bible says will be in the house of the Lord, there's a particular oil that they use. And on this occasion, there was war, and there was no way anybody would get to Jerusalem to go and get this fresh oil. But the scripture says the fire in the house of the Lord on this altar should never run out. And someone went all the way by foot to Jerusalem, which usually is a three-day journey to go and a three-day journey to come back if there is no war, but they were at war. So it was going to take the person beyond six days to go and come back, but there was not enough oil for that lamp to stay on beyond 24 hours. Ladies and gentlemen, as we were told by our tour guide repeatedly, because there's been two tour guides that have taken us there and they've said the same story, so that can't be wrong. The light stayed on. The light did not go. In fact, it went off. It, no, it went off. It did not go off until the oil came all the way from the temple, the right oil to light the lamp. So it says how big this thing is in God's presence. Illumination. God does not want your life in darkness. Darkness is the thing that makes you get confused about everything. Darkness is what you know, sets into people's lives that makes people get terribly disillusioned about things. But God does not want that for you. Another thing, another significance of this pack is purification. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9. Purification. It keeps you pure. It keeps you holy. It keeps you whole. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9, please. It says, I will bring a third through the fire and I will refine them as the silver is refined. Fire refines and it tests them as gold is tested and they will call upon my name and I will answer them and I will say this is my people. So each one will say the Lord is my God. Fire purifies. I don't know if you find yourself in a place where uh, um, you know, things are lukewarm. They say germs grow when there's lukewarmness. Germs grow when if you boil something really, really, really hot, there is absolutely no way that germs can grow when it's hot. Purification. When the spark is real in your life, sin runs away from you. Someone once said, and I heard ages and ages ago as a younger believer, prayer makes you, no, prayerless, no, prayer drives sin away and sin drives prayer or prayerfulness away. Sin makes you feel uncomfortable about praying, but praying makes sin feel uncomfortable with you. The light and the fire of God inside of you keeps you pure. The presence of the Lord in your life makes you pure. So this spark must be maintained. It's very important. The last one there is that this same spark gives the habitation or the presence of the Lord. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 to 4. If you're saying, oh, I want to carry God's presence, I want to carry God's presence, I really need you to take tonight's message serious and use it in your life. 
Second Chronicles chapter 7 from verse 1 says, And then Solomon had finished praying, the fire came down from heaven, and it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The next verse. It says, And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Next verse. It says, And when all the children of Israel saw that the fire had come down, and the glory of the Lord was on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground and, and on the pavement, and they worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, and his mercies endure forever. God's presence, God's power, God's fire brings his presence. It makes his presence tabernacle in your house. This is such an important topic and I want you to take it serious. You want God's constant, continuous intervention in your life, you need the spark. You want God's constant, continuous intervention in your home concerning your children, you need the spark. I usually say to people, I'd rather preserve my environment that gets my own point right. So I don't fight. <laughs> I don't fight because my environment is more important. This pack, this fire, this presence of the Lord is bigger than my point. It doesn't matter how big my point is. It's bigger than my person. It's bigger than myself. Because the blessings are just too big to be lost. This fire is very significant. I want you to, to desire it and crave it. So if that's the case then, let's talk firstly about the signs of low fire or ebbing fire or, you know, that. What do you call that thing again? That thing that is dying that you don't even know is dying. <laughs> you know that rod, iron, iron, rod. It doesn't get hot. It doesn't get cold this much where I came from. So I'm not as aware of it. How do you know when your fire is going down? Because it's, not, it's never written on your forehead. You know, P.E. once said something ages and ages ago. He said, a plane that is going down never goes down just straight away. It goes down slowly. It's losing altitude. And people don't know it's losing altitude. If you look up at it, say, it's still flying, but it's actually coming down. There are many lines that are already on their way down, but no one can see that they are on their way down because it doesn't go down just like that. So how do you know that you don't have the fervency or the spark that you used to have? The very first thing there. Your attitude towards scriptures. See, they are not things that anybody can see on the surface. They are things that is between you and God. What's your attitude towards the word of God? The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, let's have that scripture up. It says, this book of the law, it shall not depart from you. You will meditate on it day and night. It said, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. What's your attitude to the word of God? When I first got born again, I was put on a serious tough regime. My disciple will insist that you read your Bible you tell him what God said, you tell him what you think, and you tell him what you're going to do with it. And at least once a week, I have to take my Bible to him. And then he looks through my Bible one day. I remember, I can never forget this. They looked through my Bible and he said to me, and you said you are reading this. And I didn't understand what he meant. He said, your Bible is too clean for anybody to believe you've been reading it. God knew, and I knew that I was reading it, but he didn't believe me. And he said, I should go back. Oh, I beat that Bible black and blue. The next week, there was blue, there was red, there was yellow, there was everything possible. If you say and, I will write it there. So all along, I grew up expecting to see that a sign of strong Christianity is when your Bible is well colored. And then I met P. And then I saw his Bible, it was so neat. And then he saw my own, he said, you treat your Bible with disrespect. <laughs> As God will have it, I'd already grown up a little bit more as a believer that I wasn't confused because I would have been well confused. Somebody said, mark it. 
Another person said, don't mark it. What am I supposed to do? But I remember the regime and the toughness of that brother made it because I don't like, um, I, I don't like not doing things. I don't like, so if I know to do something, I will do it. If I don't do it, it's simply because I don't know to do it. So if you say, go and study your Bible and you must study 10 chapters today and you are my disciple, the first thing is, the moment I was told this is my disciple, I told myself I want to be like him and beyond. That's the first thing. So if you're a new believer, get yourself a disciple that you can be as good as and beyond. Somebody that loves you enough to teach you all they know and somebody that you love enough and respect enough to follow what they do. Because like Pastor always says, if you think you know better than them, then they are not the ones for you. Because if he says one, you will say two, three, and four. And I don't even see it. I, I don't see it this way. I said, that's, I can't remember whether I was a marking book type of person. I don't think I was. But he said that's the way to do it. So I went to do it the way he said to do it. What's your attitude towards scripture? He said to me, he said, make sure you read at least a chapter a day. In the morning, a chapter a day, in the evening. Then he gave me a Kenneth Hagin book. And in the Kenneth Hagin book, Kenneth Hagin says, every time he put any single meal in his mouth, he must get a scripture. So either you eat less in the day, or you take more scriptures in. Any which way you got to take this thing in. So I started taking it in. I started taking it as much as I knew to. As I stretched my brain to study my books, I stretched my brain to study the word of God. I remember I was at a meeting one day and someone said, if you don't know as many scriptures as your age, you're not doing something right in Christianity. So this is where you really want to be younger. <laughs> but the truth is, what's your attitude towards the word of God? If you used to be hot, piping hot, you were always looking forward to reading your word of God last year and it's not so, you know something is wrong somewhere. That's one of the ways you get to know that something is not going right for you. Secondly, what's your attitude towards supplication? Or prayers. What's your attitude towards supplication? How do you feel about prayer? James chapter 5 verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. A righteous man prays fervently. Confess your trespasses one to the other and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What's your prayer life like? When it's only you and God, what's your prayer life like? When it's you and God and the public, what's your prayer like? Life, life like, prayer life like. Remember when I was a younger person and I was pregnant. The greatest challenge I have in pregnancy is, I don't know why, and I think it's probably in the mind, is that my spiritual fervency, in my opinion, reduces. So when I want to read my Bible, I can't concentrate. When I want to pray, I'm too uncomfortable all over myself to be able to pray as much as I would love to pray. And I remember the devil plagued me so much with that. I was thinking, so, so if I ever thought I was going to have a third born, third born or Jesus, I'll stay with Jesus. <laughs> so I, I remember I, was, I would go to church and we would be praying. And I would start praying and the devil would say, look at you. You are such a hypocrite. You didn't pray at home. And now you are praying here. And I'll just sit down and I won't pray. Then by the third time I went to church like that, I remember I thought, hang on a minute. I'm not praying at home. I'm not praying in church. Who is being cheated? I am being cheated. No, I refuse this. So I will pray in church. If that's the only place I pray. And my church, then we go to church every day. <laughs> so I prayed every day. Every single day there is one service or the other. So that's one of the reasons why I know that. I better up my game with God. Because if I'm not careful, I can get lukewarm without even knowing that I've gone lukewarm. What's your attitude towards prayer? 
How did you used to pray before? And how do you pray now? And what's your excuse for the difference? Because Pastor Eddie always says something. Say every excuse is acceptable. But the question is, will God accept it? Because those things that are now our excuses are the same things that we prayed for as a blessing. Don't let the blessings in your life take you down the lukewarm route. Don't do that. Never allow your Christian life, your faith life, your fervency, your spark, don't let that suffer no matter what goes on in your life. Because that's actually, at the end of the day, the source of your life. The next one then is your service. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. Your service or service attendance. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. I remember ages ago, we were in a Kalfa. Because, we, because of the nature of where we were and the fact that, uh, and the fact that you, even though I was not contractually employed, uh, the way it went is the employer believed that they got one, they got the other one free. So it was already was a staff. I was a hand. So I was, I, you weren't really allowed to go anywhere. So we get a little bit of holiday, one, one Saturday and one Sunday a month. And I remember I would run, we would go to the city and we will wait to go to church. And I remember one day I was saying to Eddie, I said, if one hasn't built one spiritual life and we're in, you're in a place like this, because I remember we were there for a good, at least I was there with him for close enough to a year, uh, close enough to a year of barely ever getting to church. How would your life be if you find yourself in a place where you can't get to church for a whole year? So by the time I got a chance to go to church, please let the door open, I will be here. Because I know what it means to have the, uh, how do you call it now, the scarcity. Because I didn't have the opportunity. But we have the opportunity. But what's your attitude towards service? It's Friday night, I'll go next week. Oh, it's only Sunday, I will go next time. Question, was this how you were last year? Or have you gone worse? If you have gone worse, something is happening to your spark. Watch it. Watch it. The thing about the spark is when, like, similar to what happened to this gentleman, Samson, when his power was going, he didn't know it was going. When he needed it, he said, I will now arise and do what I've always done. He didn't need it the day it started going down. He needed it at some point down the road. When you need this spark at some point down the road, can you really flame on or not? And when you say flame on, will your flame really happen or not? What's your service level like? You want to check if you are lukewarm compared to last year. Have I grown or am I worse? And you know these things? No one can tell. And as the church gets bigger, fewer people will tell. Because everybody would know oh, she's in second service. When you knew you weren't anywhere. And even if you were in second service, you didn't hear a single word. In the past, you come to church and you come and you sit down and you hear God's word and you write it down and you go back home and you check it again and you read it again and you put your own comments and so on and so forth there. But now you are so busy, you don't have time. You are so busy, you don't have time. Not for things, but for God. The next one is your sacrifice level. Your sacrifice level. These are indicators that something is going on with your spark. So it's not the day that the spark goes off completely that you discover that spark is gone. There are indicators. What's your sacrifice level like? I remember once, uh, a couple of years ago, I remember, I've always taught them to. So I'll say to the children every so often, it's time to give God a raise. You know, you get raises at work, and uh, you have been sacrificing these five pounds, these five pounds every service. When are you going to raise God to seven pounds? 
or 10 or 15. Somebody has given you a raise, but God hasn't gotten one yet. When is he going to get one? These are conversations I have in my home. These are part of the reasons why you know whether you're still on fire or otherwise. Um, by virtue of what I trained to do, I understand figures very well. So I, we do spreadsheets. We always look at our spreadsheet. How much of our money went to God this quarter? And how much of our money went to frivolities? And there are many of those. And they are very good excuses. All of them are very good excuses. Well, the question is, are you increasing in giving or are you worse? Are you stagnant? Because it's an indication. The Bible says that where a man's treasures are, that's where his heart is. So if the, I remember one day, I think I've shared it with us here, where there are only four of us in the house. So the column, as at that time, you know, everybody now, it's, it's totally different now. So our account is now our account. Then it, our account was our account. It was a community account. And you just looked at it, and that's the column for entertainment, telephone, and all those things. It was close enough to what we give God weekly. Not, not our tithe. What we give God weekly, it was close enough. I thought, what? We're not even running a communication company. But we were spending so much, all of us put together. And I thought, no, 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 this, doesn't, this is not right. Because at the end of the day, BT can't give me the spark that being in God's presence can give me. So it was time to review it. So review what you give to God. Review it. Where are you at? Because it's part of the things that can help you know whether you are still fervent or whether your spark's going down. The next one is soul winning. Soul winning. Um, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And I know we have done, we have said a lot of that recently, particularly with our Operation Andrew. If you're the kind of person that never had a problem sharing your faith with people, but now all of a sudden you feel like, you know, if I share it, how are they going to think? In this cycle, you can't do this. Is it because God has lifted you that you can't say it anymore? So would you rather it takes you back to where you used to be before when it wasn't an issue? Because it wasn't an issue before when you had nothing. But now you have so much. And to now tell your story is a big problem. Remember in one of the videos, uh, it was a prayer that was saying that, that um, Gateway made it easy for her to share her story. Who are you going to share your story with? And how much of that story do you share daily? Do you know that if you wake up every single day and say, I really want an opportunity to share my story today, and you pray about it just the same way you pray for Brexit or pray for your organization or pray for increase or pray for your children. You just pray that one more prayer because your children you are praying for is great. But about God's children? God is waiting with arms open for his children to come into his kingdom. So if you are the person that prays for God's children, if they go, give me an opportunity to share my story with somebody today and lead them to Christ if the opportunity comes. Do you not think God will get your back? He will. You want to know whether your spark's still on? Look at these little areas that I mentioned. So let me quickly talk to you about things that can stop your fire, things that can stop you from shining for Jesus in all the things you do. There are a few things that can stop your fire. The very, very first one is discouragement. Discouragement is one of the things that the devil uses and it slips in very, very slowly and it can quench your fire. See, the responsibility for keeping your spark going is yours. It's not God's. It's yours. He said, quench not the spirit. I've realized there are so many things in the Bible. There are things that are my job to do, and there are things that are God's job to do. He says, you, quench not the spirit. He says, let the priest make sure that the fire doesn't go out upon their altar. You and I are the priests and kings unto our God now. 
So if your spark's going to go on, you've got to avoid discouragement. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. We read that scripture a short while ago, but let's have the scripture come up, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago in church. You have to be very sure you don't have a broken spirit. A spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? People get discouraged because of things that they believe should happen that did not happen. And I, and I remember, the, the discouragement comes because you're disappointed. And I remember as a young person, I, I, I actually put people on the pedestal they didn't ask for. And I would say, I can't believe that person would do that. I remember that already when we were single. And I'd say, I can't believe they would do that. I'm so disappointed. And they would look at me and say, who appointed you? I mean, for you to get disappointed, somebody must have appointed you. The truth is we appointed ourselves to be Lord and Master over other people and situations. You set this expectation. You set the time limit. It is not what God said to you. It's what you believe God must do. So the day came and went and it didn't happen. So you are now disappointed. One of the disappointed people in, Bible, in the Bible is Elisha, 1 Kings chapter 19. Please go ahead and read it in your own time, verses 1 through to 4. When people are disappointed, they say, I want to leave this fire and step out. Like that brother's story I mentioned earlier. You've got to watch out for it. Be careful. Never allow your spirit to be broken, no matter what. Even when it doesn't look like it is what you want, never allow your spirit to be broken because you have control over your spirit. The spark is yours. Whether you get stronger, is yours. Whether you get weaker, it's up to you. But you can't afford your spark to be weak because you just have too much to lose when your spark is weak. The next one is disconnection. The things that kills the fire, disconnection. The first one, disconnection from God. Some people, after a while, you disconnect with God. You don't even know you've disconnected with God. God becomes like your, your pally. God is not your pally. God is not your friend. God is not the one you'll be worshipping. And one way you're looking at an Instagram post or looking at what? I don't understand. I don't get it. You can't come into God's. Church is God's presence. Church is not, if I don't come, Pastor B is going to start wondering where I am. No, that's not why we come. That is plus, because I will harass you. <laughs> but God will not harass you in a way that you have to, you know, it, it's, it, the way God harasses, it just withdraws his presence. And that's tougher. That's difficult. I won't withdraw my presence. I would keep pushing myself and I say, oh, you have to grow, you have to grow. The problem is, if you don't grow, you become my problem one day. That's the issue. That really is the issue. That really is the issue. If you don't grow, you become peace problem. If you don't grow, you become problem. You become our problem. So your problem, because at the end of the day, your problem is our problem. So if you grow, that means that you can deal with your problem. We have one less problem. Then we all have victories. Then you have testimonies. Then we all have a celebration party. Because when you have great things happen to you, we all celebrate. When you have bad things, we all cry. So it's in our interest as a community, as a family, for you to grow. However, when it comes to God, we treat him with utter respect and reverence. Do not disconnect. Don't come to church and say, oh, church, ah, I like what the choir is wearing. Oh, I like the song they are singing. I like the pulpit. I don't like what pastor is wearing today. Oh, I don't like it. That's not why you came. That's not why you came. Don't disconnect with God. You know, it's disconnection. If you come to church and you don't see God and you see people more, it's disconnection. It's not good. It's a sign that the fire is stopping and it's something that can stop the fire. 
Don't get distracted in God's presence. Don't get disconnected. Don't get disconnected from the community of saints. When the devil wants to finish somebody's destiny, he isolates them. And if you get home or when you get home, please read Numbers chapter 11 verses 1 to 3 when you get home. When the devil wants to play prank with somebody's destiny, he isolates them. So when somebody does something to you and you get really upset in church and you say, you know what, I'm not even going to go to church because I don't want to see that person. It's really not about that person. It's about your destiny. It's about the spark of God in your life. The question then is, if you stay away, never forget that story I told about the gentleman that sat in front of the fire and he didn't know when he took, just spell it and I'll say the right words. Spell that word for me. How do you spell it? P-O-K-E-R. Oh, poker like poker game. Oh, please, I know that one. Okay, that took the poker, if that's what it is, out of the fire and put it on the side without knowing. And the fire of that poker went out because it wasn't amongst other people. I want to advise you, don't disconnect from your church community. Don't. I always say, nobody is big enough to make me disconnect because it is for my good. The spark is for my good. That's why you can't afford that. So disconnection, run away from. It helps, it kills the light in your life. Discouragement, run away from. The next one, discord. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19, discord. Never allow yourself to get into anything that will cause discord. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 16 to 19 says, There are these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. The next verse. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. One day I'll teach you about these seven things, but not today. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to run to evil. A false witness who speaks lies and one that sows discord amongst brethren. There are some people like that. Their job, as they have taken it from the devil, is to go from person to person and sow discord. The moment they see two people together, making friends and they are close, they must mess it up somehow. Make sure you don't find yourself in that kind of cycle. Never allow yourself be in discord or be used to create discord in any situation because it stops your fire. Your fire is very significant. Your spark is very important. You have to sustain it. And this journey is far. This journey is far. Another 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years on this journey. Never allow any discord anywhere. Stop the journey. Disobedience. Because of time, I'm just going to run through that. Disobedience, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 23 to 22 to 23. 1 Samuel chapter 15, 22 to 23. Anytime you disobey God, God moves away. I said something to you. So if you don't do something that PB says, I will call you and say, oh my goodness, what am I going to say to Anna? She's calling me. Or you look at my text, oh dear, there she comes. But God steps back. You don't want that. You really don't want that. Never live in conscious disobedience to God. God gets upset with disobedience. So Samuel said, As the Lord, does the Lord have great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hit the fat of ram. To obey is bigger in God's mind than any offering you will ever give him, as great as your offering is. And see the amount of effort that God puts into the offering they have to bring into his presence. That means offerings are very important. But obedience is even more important in God's mind than that. Never choose to willingly disobey God. Don't do that. Because it's too expensive for you. 
it stops the spark of God in your life. And when spark is gone, protection is gone. When spark is gone, gone. Illumination is gone. When spark is gone, direction is gone. When spark is gone, his presence is gone. It's too expensive. Distraction. Luke chapter 10. I want to read this one. Verses 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. Things that stops the spark of God in your life. Distraction. I think if there is one thing that a lot of us consciously suffer from, it's this one. You see, disobedience, it's very, it's difficult to consciously choose to disobey God. If you have the spirit of God inside of you, it really is difficult. You, 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 you feel bad for disobeying God when you know something is wrong. But distraction is something that creeps into the lives of every one of us, particularly in this day and age. It's gotten unbelievably high. I think it's a strategy from the pit of hell to take people away from God. It says, now it happened as they went that they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into the house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And the Bible says, and Martha was distracted with much serving. She wasn't distracted, not doing anything. He was already in her house. He was already in her life. But she was distracted, not with other people, serving him. Be careful. Be very careful. I am a big one for, as a servant of the Lord in the house, serving one service, sitting one service and hear God's word. Serving one, sitting one. Because you can be very easily distracted serving. Serving is what made this woman lose her light. Would you believe that? How can she be serving Jesus and still, she still loses her spark? There's a problem. Remember when we just started the church, I remember Pastor Eddie used to say, don't do it if there's no grace for it. There are many things that many of us try to do and there is no grace for it. So he used to say we should say, EGR, extra grace required. I remember very, very clearly. You need grace to do anything in God's house and God's presence. But you are giving out of that which he has already given you. The Bible says, morning by morning, he wakens my hair to hear as one that is being taught. If you are not being taught, you can't teach. If he hasn't filled you, you can't give anything. If you give, it's a matter of time somebody's going to annoy you. You're going to give them the evil eye. You know why? Because you are not doing it in grace. So you do your eyes like this, like that, like that, like that, and you roll it. Because I told them to sit here, they didn't sit here. I told them to stand up, they refused to stand up. And you know, God's people are lovely people because you don't know what they're coming with. I told them to pack it, they said no. And I said, move your car, I said, take the key. <laughs> people do do that, ask talks, they do do that. If there is no grace, you think, am I your valet? Who is paying me to do this? And some people still come and give you a bad attitude. But if you have no grace to do what you're doing, you will soon find yourself in a place where you're actually sinning more than you're helping. But it's because of distraction. And it's the distraction from the pit of you. are coming to church and you say, I am so going to focus on the things of God today. And right bang at the, at the car park, somebody decides they're going to actually just shake you a little bit. After shaking you a bit, you come in and then you realize that they are actually in the worship team. She's in the worship team and she just took my space in the car park and that person is leading worship and saying, I am so not singing today. Just to let her, you just make sure you sit right in front. So that she, she's looking for encouragement. She looks right at you and then. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. The whole intention is to steal your fire. 
It's never about them. It's never about anybody else. When you come to church, it's never about anybody else. The point is this. It's about your spark. Is it going to go out flaming more? Or is it going to be going down slowly without you knowing? Very finally, finally, as I finish, write these things down. I'm not going to go through them. How do you stir the fire? How do you stir the spark in you? The very first one, grow intentionally. If you read the book of Romans chapter 12, I love Romans chapter 12. He actually says how to live like a Christian. So go back and read that scripture, the old chapter. Go and enjoy it. Grow intentionally. As a believer, grow intentionally. If growth is not intentional, then you are not growing. Spiritual growth requires investment. Spiritual growth requires investment. Investment of time in your Bible study, investment of time in your prayer, I mean conscious investment. If you struggled last year with forgiveness, this year make sure that the whole year you're going to study forgiveness. And if I wear your shoes, I'm not going to leave that topic until I win on that topic. If you know, because that's the thing about life, life will bring that same lesson your way again and again and again. Are you going to trip or are you going to move forward? If you didn't get it right, the thing will come back again. So study that topic until you get it right. You come to church this week or you went to work this week, something flowed you. Either because, you know, I used to, I would go, I would come back again. I just talked too much today. You know, you know when you have talked too much? I, well, I know when I've talked too much. Not necessarily whether I said the right thing or the wrong thing. I just, you know, you just, I, I know. I just think, you know what? How to learn to be quiet. So I start studying and study and study and study about it. And I go out again the next day. And I fall, but I do the same thing again, 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 until I begin to win that battle. What battle do you need to win? Because at the end of the day, if you really want your spark going, and you want to keep on stirring it up, you've got to grow intentionally. The next one is love unconditionally. So when you um, grow intentionally, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 4, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Love unconditionally. Ephesians 4, 2. Romans 12, 9 to 10. God's people are God's people. If you love them unconditionally, God will love you back unconditionally. Um, they would not be nice people just because they are Christians. They will be people. You meet people at work. Many of us, we don't set expectations at work. But when you come to church, you expect a church full of bunch of saints. And like Pastor Eddie said, we were all saints until you came. <laughs> so you and I need to learn to love unconditionally. If you love unconditionally, God rewards you for doing that. Christianity is not about loving the people that love you. Christianity is about loving the people that you think cannot be loved. The next one is observe continuously. If you notice, I'm spelling glow. That's where we're going. If you want to spark and spark and spark unendingly, you've got to grow intentionally. You're going to love God's people unconditionally or love the people around you unconditionally. You've got to observe continuously. The Bible says you observe the word of God continuously. John chapter, uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Go back and read Romans 12. You will see what I'm saying in there. You've got to learn to observe God's word round the clock. As in, round the clock. The book of law shall not depart from your mouth. You will meditate on it day and night. If you meditate on it long enough, that's what comes out of your mouth. If you really genuinely want to know what's going on inside your heart, find out what comes out of your mouth. If you really don't know, what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what has been going in it. 
If it's not going in, it won't come out. Because it's what goes in that comes out. So what comes out of your mouth? Observe God's word continuously, as in continuously. That's what he told us to do. If you really want to grow, the more you observe it, the more you want to be like it, the more you do it, the more you begin to live it, the more your spark keeps going. So you weigh God's word against every situation and everything you plan to do. God's word, God's word. God, what will God do here? What will God's word say about this? What's God's thought about this? It will always cross your mind because you're observing his word continuously. And very last one there, walk circumspectly. So the word circumspectly, I learned it as... Um, as a KJV reading believer, as a King James Version reading believer. And I didn't know it was in any other version. I just thought. So I didn't know what he meant, but I loved the word anyway. Then I realized that he meant walk carefully. Carry this God carefully. Carry this pack like one that knows is carrying something. You know, um, it doesn't matter. When you look at people and they're pregnant, some people it doesn't show from the back that they're pregnant. Some people everything just shows. <laughs> You're pregnant, everybody, the whole world knows. Some people when they turn their back to you and they're pregnant, you never know until you see them. But there's a gentle way they walk because of what they carry. Carry this God and carry this pack, but carry it carefully. Carry it consciously. Don't lose this presence of God. It's too expensive to be lost. But carry it and carry it with a lot of joy. So walk circumspectly. Walk carefully. Walk conscious of the fire of God that you carry in you. So to glow is to sustain this spark spiritually. So G is what? L is what? O is what? And W is what? Rise to your feet and let's lift our voices to heaven. Just thank God for the word you've heard today. I don't know what's happened with you and your spark with God. Thank you very much. I want you to commit yourself to God. And you know, I don't know which aspect of this message touched you most. I don't know whether your spark is going down because you are discouraged or because you're disconnected or because of discord or because of distraction. But I want you to lift yourself to heaven and ask for the help of God. Help of God to glow continuously that your spark will not go down. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. doesn't matter how long you've been in faith. The Bible says your light must be on round the clock. It says it must never go out. That's the instruction. Ask the Lord for grace and help.